I serve cold, but the wolves in the hawks never shiver in the snow. The bulls keep it running, the socks run the south, the cubs run the north, but the bears run the house. Two Chicago sports fans got their ears to the street. Any team make a move, and they never skip a beat. And in this house, this is where we be. Welcome to the show with E Rock and Big Z. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Chicago. Home of the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. We are coming from the True Chicago Sports Fan Cave. This is the TCSF Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah! <laughs> oh, God. Episode 68 is brought to you by 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF Podcast t-shirts. Search for keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TrueFan15 for 15% off your entire order. That is TrueFan15 for 15% off your entire order. Get your official TCSF shirts now. As always. Right now. Yes, right now. As always, I am Big Z and I'm here with my boy, E-Rock. What up, E? What's good, Z? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the show. If you're a first-timer or a long-timer, please remember to hit that subscribe button, that notify button, and go ahead and give us a review on your listening app of choice. And don't forget, you can support the show with a monthly subscription at anchor.fm slash true Chicago sports fans. Go on over there and click on support, and you can become a subscriber for as low as 99 cents a month. Let me ask you a question. Uh, do you like the show? Why don't you tell your friends and have them tell five of their friends? And we can go on forever and ever and ever and make sure they like and subscribe as well. Z, what's up, brother? How are you doing? How was your week? I am doing fine. I mean, uh, you know, me and you don't do well in this rainy weather. The, the, you get the, like, the aches and pains. So uh, no softball for me this week. Uh, but I did go bowling earlier in the week. Uh, my bowling game has improved a lot uh, after seeing that coach, and uh, we're finishing up one of the, one of the seasons uh, next week with a championship. Uh, well, we don't. I think we're like top four, so we'll find out who we play and if we go from winning from there. And, um, we'll win some money, and hopefully, I can put some money back in my bank account that I've been spending for the past I don't know six months. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I also went to this uh, this dancing studio that uh, uh, is called Stiletto. It's here in West Town, and uh, watch some of the local talent give an amazing performance on the, on a bunch of poles. It was literally themed, uh, Halloween themed. There was about, uh, I think there was about fourteen different performances, whether it was group or solos. Um, yeah, it was pretty much uh, some uh, circus soleil stripping stuff like, but they didn't strip clothes. They were just dancing on the poles. Number one rule in life as a father to daughters is keep your daughter off, off the, the pole. pole. So I will be staying far away from that place, <laughs> uh, regardless if they keep their clothes on or not. Sometimes I'm walking with my daughter, I'm talking to my daughter, I'm looking at her, I'm pushing and stroller, and sometimes I pick up and I just stare at her and I realize my only job in life is to keep her off the pole. I'll, I'll send you a, a video later of that one that you're going to like because it's funny. It's not in, um, in a ex- NFSF explicit. They're not taking off the clothes. It's just uh-huh. a funny one that you'll like. It's, it's your type of humor. So I think you'll like that. How was your week, man? Okay. Hey, listen, listen. I, I had a great week despite that hangover from that Bears-Packers game. Uh, Friday night softball, I call it the senior leagues. Uh, it was the parents and coaches game for our youth league on Friday. I, w- I had a couple of hits. 
Uh, it took me, I, I described it as this is you ever see someone run so slow, it looks like they're walking backwards. That's how I described the way that I ran to first. So there was no way I was getting any doubles. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had one bases are loaded. I loaded up grand slam, except the damn thing was caught. I was completely robbed. So thank you, Shelly, for taking away my grand slam. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I should have left your phone on the ground. <laughs> when you came around first. <laughs> But but listen, uh, so yeah, so Friday was our, our softball game, the first time I actually played in the game in forever uh, versus just coaching. And then on Saturday, uh, it was a great, great day, a celebration of the union between man and wife. Congratulations to our longtime friend and contributor, the man whose voice you hear on our intro song, Jay Soto, a.k.a. George Soto, and his lovely, beautiful bride, Molly, on their wedding. Uh, and as some of us found out for the first time, congrats on the happy, uh, to the happy couple on their upcom upcoming bundle of joy. I had no idea. Uh, they also did the gender reveal during the wedding. They're going to have a boy. So congratulations to George and Molly on not only your wedding, but your, your baby boy coming up next year they were finally able to have their ceremony it was pushed back for a couple uh, almost like two years because of covid so um you know it was fantastic it was a great time to be out there celebrate with them uh, he debuted a new song that he made just for her so you know it, it was really really nice to uh, to be out there and to celebrate with my my homie of uh, like 25 years and uh another thing that i'm really excited for jay uh he's gonna be working with the team over at acsi and i know there's a lot more people out there looking for a new gig so let me tell you all about a great opportunity with acsi with over 50 expert technicians in the chicagoland area acsi offers a one-stop shop for telecom wiring whether residential cable installation fiber to the home or commercial structured cable wiring ACSI is a proud partner of both Comcast and RCN. Let me tell you the most impressive thing about ACSI. During these hard times, the ACSI did their thing during the COVID-19 pandemic, and ACSI was awarded HACIA's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. The best part is that ACSI is growing bigger and better than ever. ACSI is now hiring for field sales, technicians, and project managers. Check out ACSI.tech. That's ACSI.tech and click on careers to apply today and go get you a job just like our boy Jay Soto. Go get a job. Congrats to Jay. That's right. That's right. Uh, this week, we talk about this uh, kind of embarrassing loss. I would say kind of a very embarrassing loss against the Bucks. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on what the hell the Blackhawks are doing because it doesn't sound like they're doing much at all. Um, the Bulls are 3-0, and the only 3-0 and team in the NBA. Uh, the Fighting Irish will win over a rival. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the World Series coming up. And, uh, you know, of course, during the pot. And what you looking at? But first, this is the Big Three with Big Z. Thanks, E-Rock. I'm Big Z and you're not. <laughs> All right, guys. For today's story... Story number one, and uh, this one's a wild one because it's a local one. An Illinois woman, was a, Illinois woman, woman is accused of shooting and killing a man for refusing to kill her. I read this and I got nervous myself. That's what happened there. <laughs> I'm in danger. All right, let me let me tell you what happened, man. Um, a 28-year-old woman in Illinois shot and killed a man earlier this week in a bizarre love triangle dispute. 
The Chicago Sun-Times reported that Claudia Resendez Flores was staying with two pals, James Jones and his girlfriend, at their home in the city of Rolling Meadows, which is right outside Chicago, uh, when the incident unfolded last Thursday night. Prosecutors in Cook County said that the trio were having a drink together when Resendez Flores allegedly asked Jones for a kiss. Jones declined because he had a girlfriend who was right next to him. He did the right thing. He then kissed his girlfriend in front of Resendez Flores, prompting an envious Resendez Flores to ask her, ask the girlfriend for a kiss. Prosecutors said that during the bond, uh, she declined as well. So she was trying to get it in with somebody. And the couple said no. Joni loves Chachi. Uh, when Jones asked again for uh, for another kiss and he refused her, it enraged uh, Flores and she grabbed the gun that he had tucked in between the two couch uh, cushions and aimed it at him. Jones tried to push Resendez's forearm, forearm down as she pulled the safety off and put her finger on the trigger, and but the gun went off, striking Jones once in the chest. His girlfriend called 911 when officers arrived at the scene. She admitted that she shot him. She is charged with first-degree murder. This is crazy, yo. Murder. This is crazy. She's got three kids, man. Resendez Flores. She's got three kids. She's going away uh, for a long time. Hey, she got three kids. It sounded like she was trying to have a couple more, trying to try, <laughs> trying to kiss on some uh, someone else's uh, someone else's man. There. Uh, this is uh, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Um, isn't there uh, classifieds or? Craigslist or somebody, if you're looking for someone to love, you can Dude, find them. Uh, leave, there's apps. Leave them alone. What the hell's going on over here? It is insane, insane. Uh, yeah, that's uh, rough. Yeah, that's why I said, keep your guns locked up, people. Keep your guns locked up. Yep. You never know what's going to happen. Keep, keep it. Hey, <laughs> what was it? Was hide your kids, hide your girlfriend, hide your husband too, because this broad's coming after you. Jesus, man, should have gave her like a drink or something to calm her down, man. All right, story number two. Oh man, this this is not a good one, man. Uh, police make a report that Michael Jordan's sons arrested for assault at a, on Scottsdale hospital staff. Yeah, this mug, mug picture does not look nice, brother. Oh man, the son of the NBA Hall of Famer Michael Jordan has been arrested after allegedly assaulting a, assaulting staff at a Scottsdale hospital uh, in September. According to the Scottsdale police officers, Jeffrey Jordan slipped and hit his head, hit the back of his head on a table at Casa Amigos restaurant in Old Town Scottsdale. Security at the restaurant called over, called for police officers who were already there for a different incident and helped him out of the restaurant. That's where paramedics checked him out and took him to the nearby hospital. While at the hospital being treated, police said that Jordan assaulted the hospital staff. Investigators don't give any specific details. But Jordan was released from the hospital on Saturday, on that Saturday when it, the incident happened, and taken to jail, where he was booked for one count of aggravated assault against healthcare professionals. He was released an hour later. Officers said no criminal charges were filed in connection to his fall at Casamigos. This is wild, bro. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Casamigos is the brand of a tequila, so maybe uh, if you can't handle your tequila sir don't drink tequila because that's the only thing that i would uh would think you either you either can do tequila or you can't that's just what it is and those who can't shouldn't and uh leave that stuff alone leave it to the professionals like big z and myself because uh we'll take it for you but uh it sounds like he was uh dabbling in something that he should not have been 
Yeah, that that might have been the issue. You, you're uh, mixing stuff. You know, you're mixing different drugs or you're mixing mixing different liquors. It never ends up well for you. Nah, nah. Unless like unless you're smart like me and you order a Modelo, but then also a tequila on the rocks with a lime, and then you basically let those rocks kind of melt a little bit and let the tequila or let the lime steep in the tequila. By the time you finish that Modelo, your tequila is ready to go. You get another beer, you sip on your tequila, and you're ready to go. But if you don't know what you're doing, you just start doing shots, then uh, it ain't for you, bro. Hey, man, you, you just don't mix different different countries, man. It's as simple as that. You, you don't mix Mexico with, with Poland or Russia, you know, with their vodka. You, you just don't mix those things. You don't miss, mix Mexico with, with, with Kentucky. You don't mix it with bourbon and whiskey, man. You just don't do that. From, from what I know, um, watching many documentaries like um, Goodfellas and... Uh, uh, no, but uh, but but according to uh, um, Al Pacino, if you watch Scarface, you can mix tequila with uh, with Colombia. So you can mix Mexico and Colombia together if you're uh, if you're so skilled. <laughs> also, if you have a lot of money. All right, story number three, and this one was a shocker for the rest uh, for this week. This one really took me back. On Thursday, Alec Baldwin fired a gun, which he was told was a prop gun, and it was safe to be on the set of the film Rust. Instead, the gun was apparently loaded with live ammunition, leading to the stunning death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins and an injury to the movie's director, Joe Souza. Uh, though the intense police investigation continues, it seems highly unlikely that Baldwin will be charged with a crime. So this is one of those things that unfortunately happens sometimes. And it, I'm glad it happens, you know, in a long time. But the last time I remember this happening was during filming of The Crow. Yeah. So Brandon Lee uh, was the person that you're talking about. Brandon Lee yes. was killed tragically on the set of The Crow. Um, and then there was also another incident. I want to see 1984 where a person was um, killed because they were pretending to play Russian roulette and they put the gun to their head and pulled the trigger. Um, I did a little bit of research on this and essentially there was a few things going on. Um, this is a Western style movie that Alec Baldwin is not only starring in, but he's also producing. It is in the set, I want to say, um, New Mexico, where they do a ton, a ton of Western movies out in the uh, United States. Um, and there was a big complaint from a lot of the staff at the time because of poor working condition, long hours, too hot, so on and so forth. It was supposed be a pretty short i want to say like a 25 day shoot and they were maybe on day 13 so the union um the union members that were there your grips your your you know your prop people whatever it is they were actually leaving they left the set early that day and they brought in some non-union members apparently the prop guy they had on set um he gave baldwin a gun that had live ammunition in it and not the blanks they typically use so that is essentially what happened there um yeah it there was a lot it was a very very tragic story um apparently the guy who was the prop guy that uh the non-union guy or whatever um he there was another incident with him and safety in the past so you know this is really unfortunate i want to say there was even another um there was another show that took action because of this that they decided that they're no longer to use actual firearms they're going to use prop like prop props and uh and do maybe some cgi or something like that but mm -hmm. yeah uh this is a really tragic story and uh you know I, I feel bad for the family of the woman who was killed because she was a mother 43 years old you know young young person um i feel bad for baldwin because he had no idea what's going on and essentially i don't know if they're going to continue filming 
at any point for this movie. So, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for everyone involved. This is just a really, really sad and tragic story. Yeah, this is a really, really sad, like you said, sad story. Alec Baldwin has no issue because he's trusting the the prop guy to give him the prop and he just moves forward. I mean, I don't know if he knows about ammunition and guns and so forth. And maybe he doesn't, maybe he does. But either way, the weight of it's still going to be the same. Now, he, he ends up shooting um, the, the cinematographer and, and, and the director. Um, and usually when they shoot with a blank, you need about 20 feet for safety because it's still a blank, but there's still kind of an explosion, you know, with, with the bullet and so forth. Um, but the, the problem with this is that, you know, obviously there's going to be some type of legal ramification. Um, and in New Mexico, this can be charged as a um, involuntary manslaughter for Alec Baldwin. And this is this this is just a sad situation. And then you also have him being the executive producer and um, his company is the one, you know, uh, producing the, the, the film. So as that that company is going to be held liable in a civil court of law. So you, you can expect that as well. And it's just, again, very sad uh, loss of life um, because someone was not uh, someone was very neg- negligent in this issue. Yeah, I agree. And and it's and you're not wrong. The legal ramifications that come down along the line are going to be, you know, it, it's just another level of hell for the family to have to go through Baldwin and his production uh, crew going to have to go through. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's just sad all the way around. But I, I hope that they're able to you know resolve whatever they can and uh, and just hopefully. It's, it, you're never going to be able to move all the way past it, but hopefully, you know, time will heal all wounds and uh, and they'll be able to get on with uh, with their lives. All right, y'all, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Chicago sports fans, show off your Chicago pride with some fresh clothes from Grit Clothing Company. At Grit Clothing, they create that simple yet classic style that represents that Chicago Southside lifestyle. From t-shirts to hoodies, hats to glassware, they've got you covered. Grit has everything you need to represent your Chicago pride. So do it right now. Check out gritclothingco.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15. TRUEFAN15. For 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15% off your entire order. Let me say it again. That's gritclothingco.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15 for 15% off of your entire order. Welcome back to the TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. <laughs> this is The Loop, our Chicago sports roundup, where we keep you in the loop. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Yo, E, what's going on with our beloved Bears? The Bears, good Lord. Um, you know, this is not how we wanted it to go. You almost can't even make it up. It's that bad. 
That's how bad it was, ladies and gentlemen. After the Packers came into Chicago last week and Aaron Rodgers declared that he owns the Bears, Tom Brady came out in an interview to say congrats to Rodgers on his partial ownership of the Bears. Well, it looks like Brady and the Bucks wanted to prove that they also own the Bears, especially after last year's loss where he looked all confused. Um... One note, the biggest difference in uh, in age between two starting quarterbacks in NFL history, Brady is literally old enough to be Justin Fields' daddy, and he proved it on the field today. Uh, in the first quarter, Fields take, uh, took a big shot in the first drive of the game. Luckily, uh, fellow rookie Khalil Herbert was there to pounce on it after a fumble. Uh, the Bears punted, and the Bucks get a 43-yard return on some slick moves from Buck re- Bucks returner Jaleon Darden. Bucks took over, and you can immediately feel the loss of Hicks because Fournette barrels down the field for a long run, followed up by his the first rushing touchdown of the game on the very next play. On the next Bears possession, Herbert takes it up to the left side of the field and gets a great 29-yard run, which was the longest run allowed by Tampa this season. Unfortunately, the drive stalls out on a pass to Komet, which he can't handle. After both teams exchange punts, Fields makes his first big mistake of the game with a long throw downfield that is intercepted by the Bucks defense. Tom Brady takes over on a short field and drives the ball down the field with a couple of passes to Chris Godwin, finishing it off with a touchdown pass to the fifth-year wideout. Great for fantasy, but horrible for the Bears. The Bears get the ball back before, uh, and the aggressive uh, Bucks pass rush aggressive Bucks pass rush <laughs> strips the ball, causing a fumble recovery by the Bucks Vita Vea. Bucks take over on the Bears 35. Tom Brady next throws his 600th career regular season touchdown to Mike Evans, and the Bucks lead 21 to nothing at the end of the first half. Z. What the hell happened there? Yeah, 21-0 in the first quarter. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. And I, yes, I put that in as a pun. It just looked like, you know, Tom Brady took it personally that he lost to the Bears last season. That's what he exactly did. He's like, I'm going to light these guys up left and right. Their secondary is not that great. They got a lot of guys that are hurt on COVID protocol. They're not at that full strength. And I don't think that the offense is going to be able to put up the points that I'm going to be able to put up. They also have way better assets to to use on offense. Um, It looked like Brady was just in there with a force field that he wasn't getting uh, touched as much as uh, our quarterback was. And so uh, pretty much at the first quarter, that pretty much ended up the game for me. I was just like, okay, this is just going to be really bad. The only bright spot for me is that Khalil Herbert put up 100 yards, 5.6 average on 18 carries. This kid was wrecking the game because no one had 100 yards rushing on the Bucks this year. No, and and uh, you know that that was definitely the bright spot of the game. We were seeing Khalil Herbert, uh, especially with that one, you know, 29 yard rushing uh, attempt. attempt. Um, you know what I mean? So that helps out a lot. Um, going into the second, the Bears were able to hold Tampa down and force a punt, but soon after, JPP Jason Pierre Paul forced another fumble and the Bucks recovered the ball again to give Brady another short field to work with. After throwing that 600 career touchdown, the Bears defense forced six straight 
incompletions, which matches the longest incompletion streak of Brady's 22-year career. So it's kind of a, a weird stat there. Right after you throw that, you know, the, a very significant career, which which incidentally Mike Evans didn't realize at first and threw it into the stands and had they had to get that ball back. So I yeah. hope they give that uh, that guy in the stands like a buttload of money or something because no. what they were reporting is he's going to get like a signed football and a T-shirt or something. I was like, man, you You're- better give me some money. But uh but yeah, so it was kind of a weird stat that uh, the Bears, you know, that Brady had six straight incompletions, uh, you know, which is, like I said, the, it matches the longest comp- incompletion streak of his career. Um, but they went ahead and they forced a field goal. Uh, the Bears forced a field, field goal by the Bucks, and the Bucks kicker missed it. So, you know, it, it's they were able to kind of come back a little bit and the Bears finally take over and we see we see fields throwing downfield to his guy mooney followed by a couple of hard runs again by khalil herbert um but it seemed like you know later on they just they just really had nothing for them um it, it seemed like brady and the bucks were pulling up off the gas a little bit and the bears defense hold them down long enough um you know two turnovers uh on third down in the first half for the Bears, um, a toss in the end zone to Jesper Horstead can't be caught. A 57-yard drive was capped off by a Cairo Santos field goal for the Bears' first and only points of the game. Uh, Bucks take over again uh, before the end of the half, and with a long pass and a short pass, Mike Evans catches another touchdown to put the Bears uh, down by 25 with about three and a half minutes left in the first half. Uh, the Bears went for it on fourth and four right after the two-minute warning, and again, JPP gets fields for the sack as he tries to scramble after he he went through his progressions and he couldn't find anyone open. He tried; he thought he was going to be able to kind of run to the left, and JPP saw him and grabbed him. Uh, Brady took over and immediately threw it downfield, and it looked like. Again, he was trying to embarrass the Bears after the game last year. And then with nine seconds left in the first half, Brady threw to Mike Evans for his third touchdown of the half. Going into halftime, the Bears are already down 35-3. to three. Yeah, this this was an embarrassing half to watch. You're looking at 21 points in the first, 14 points in the second by the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they really just did it. All they needed was two touchdowns to beat the Bears. And that, that's just embarrassing because in today's NFL, you've got to be scoring at least 25 to 30 points a game to compete with the big boys. And right now, you can tell we're not going to be able to compete with any of the big boys, any of the medium boys, or even the little boys. This team is not equipped to win right now. There's a lot of issues going on. you got the offensive line that can only block for run. I get it. They're piecing it together. People are hurt. Um, but at the same time, they're not. Their cap, uh, uh, their, their structure, and, and uh, is is super, uh, uh, pretty much gridlocked. They can't do much with the money that they have, so they can't get out talent that they need out there. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen in the next couple of years as well. And this is the time to do it because you have a good quarterback on a rookie contract, just like you know Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. You've got to win during those rookie years because you have that extra money. Right now, a lot of the money is pretty much tied up on the defense that's aging, and at the same time. The secondary is not that great. So you literally have four or five players on the defense that are taking up all your money. So if you look at it, you've got what? Was it two or three turnovers? All right. So E, it's halftime. Nagy's got a, you know, he's got the whiteboard. What is Nagy doing? Does he make any changes once he comes out for the third quarter? You tell me, man. I mean, I, I think the biggest biggest issue here is number one, they took the ball to start the game instead of kicking it off, which, you know, you see most, most, uh, 
most coaches want to get that ball, but I uh, want to get the ball back after the second half or uh, after the uh, after the halftime because they're tr hoping to kind of double up on a, on a possession at the end of the uh, at the end of the first half and then grab it again at the beginning of the second half. But you know, I think today the idea was that the, the Bears and Nagy wanted to get off to a quick start, which they obviously didn't. Uh, they come out of halftime. Bucks take the ball to start the second half of the game, and the Bears managed to stop them from scoring, forcing a punt on the first possession of the second half. Uh, Justin Fields and the Bears take over and finally manage to convert a third down with a pass to Bird down the left sideline, followed by a 23-yard pass to Darnell Mooney. Now, these are the type of plays that we need to see the Bears get into, play action, bootleg type plays, and get the ball down the field. So I would say in that aspect, we did see them do a little bit of uh, adjusting in the, in the halftime period, trying to get uh, Justin Fields a little bit more active. But, you know, when we talked about before, that offensive line, is just not really doing what they need to do to give them the time to get open. And then when you're when you already know that you're not going to have to worry about getting to the quarterback, because I mean, the thing is, is that Tampa went all in. They rushed and rushed and rushed and they blitzed the hell out of the rookie. And that's why he kept giving up the ball. Um, the Bears did really start to move the ball down the field, but unfortunately on third and two, Cody Whitehair gets a penalty, knocks him all the way back to the 25. Uh, and it's now third and 12. Fields throws a pass that's a little bit too high for Mooney. He tips the ball, and then, of course, it ends up in the arms of another Tampa defender, and the Bears take over once again. Uh, the Bears are starting to show their frustration at this point. Bilal Nichols punches a Bucks offensive lineman and gets ejected from the game with two minutes left in the third quarter. The Bucks. Uh, later on, go for it on fourth and goal. And the Bears defense holds up the defending champs uh, to stop that that run and force a turnover deep in their own territories end of third quarter. It was good to see some fight out of this team, at least. I mean, you know, I don't want to see, you know, Nichols or any other player pull uh, Javon Wims where you start trying to throw punches at guys in helmets, which is absolutely stupid. But to see, yo, hey, I have feelings out here. I'm showing you my emotion. And the fact that the, the Bucks were going for another touchdown at that point, and the Bears were able to stop them. That was definitely a positive. You show them, hey, they still have some fight in there. So they actually held the Bucks uh, scoreless in the third quarter. But unfortunately, the Bears couldn't score either. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk about the fourth quarter because it was it was just hot garbage time. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, the third quarter was just them just you know cruising through it, literally set it on cruise control. Like Tom Brady is going to dump it off. We're going to run it. Okay, we know your offense is not going to be able to do anything, and we're just going to let you shoot yourself in the foot because the kid is getting pressured by Todd Bowles, who's throwing the kitchen sink at him every single play. He was confusing him by rushing everybody out to the line, and the kid had no idea who was going to blitz and who was going to drop back. And then when they would drop back, now he had no one open, and he went through you know his progression. <laughs> he's got to get his progression done in two point three seconds, or else JPP's on his ass. So the kid was, you know, under fire the whole game. He's going to be gun shy. Yeah. yeah, and then the thing is that going into the fourth with that, you know, turnover and down, stopping the Bucks from going for that uh, extra touchdown on a rushing touchdown, you're literally throwing from your own end zone. And if we've seen anything from, uh, you know, by this point in the game, we know that it's not going to be a good time for Justin Fields. Unfortunately, Justin Fields starts the fourth quarter with another 
turnover throwing from his own end zone right into the bucks of a uh, right into the arms of a bucks defender and gave them the ball again in bears territory for the sixth time in the game uh this led to a field goal by the bucks and the score right then sits at 38-3 would happen to be the final um later on the uh, the Bucks end up putting in Blaine Gabbert. The Bears hold the Bucks to a field goal in the second half, but unfortunately, the Bucks hold the Bears to a full field goal for the whole game. Uh, Justin Fields and Matt Nagy both had something to say after the game. Uh, there's a lot of things. Um, so, I mean, it's not just one thing. It was a bunch of things. So, um, yeah, I'm just leaving it at that. We got to continue to work. I mean, when times like this... Times when you get, you know, beat, blown out, um, you got two choices. You can either say, F it, um, I, I, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop working, I'm going to stop playing, or you can go the other route and say, so I'm going to keep working. I mean, and I know me, myself, you know, no matter how picks, how many picks I throw, no matter how, no matter how many L's we take, I'm, I'm going I'm to keep going. You know, that's just a fact. And um, that's just, you know, who I am. I'm never going to stop, um, and, and I'm always going to keep going. So, yeah. Um, you know, the game... Uh, being able to come out and start the way we did and not start, you know, as good as we need to and go three and out and have the, the punt return. And then for them to score, you get behind versus a team like this and, and have the turnovers that we had, uh, it makes it difficult. So, um, you know, this is something that we got to be able to uh, to rebound from uh, and, and understand and, and, and learn from in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Let's Captain Obvious over here. That we didn't want this. We didn't want this result. Obviously, yeah. But there, where's the adjustments? The in-game adjustments? The halftime adjustments? I mean, the only adjustment no, I did no, see no, no, was no. was that they did go no, five they, wide. They made they made an adjustment going into the second half. But the problem is, is that if your if your line is still not holding long enough, if your if your opponent is still rushing there's you know what i mean like you're already down by what five touchdowns at that mm-hmm. point like what what adjustment can you make it's not like oh man it's now 24 17 and you just missed that you know what i mean what 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 adjustment can you make your the adjustment is all right you saw him kind of do some of the bootleg stuff some of the play action and things like that but i mean it, it, at that point it's too little too late and you know that when you're down 21 points in the first quarter right now at that point it's just you know trying not to you know, just, just put it, it's a, it's a bandaid on a bullet wound. You ain't getting any better until you go to the hospital and get it sewn up, bro. No, and we were talking about this on, on you know, while the game was going on. And I was like, where's the adjustment? Where's the bootleg? Where, where's the, uh, where's the draw? Where's, you have the blitz coming in. You can use that to your advantage to try to get a play. But unfortunately, this offensive line still is not giving them enough time to block, even if you do those plays. Because you were like, there it is. There it is. There it is. I'm like, you know what? I can't argue. It's right. You're right. He has 2.3 seconds, and you need about three to four seconds to let that play develop if you're going to do a rollout or a sweep. or all the, you got to get that blocking out there. So the only thing they were able to do is block on, on, on run plays. It literally looked like a Tech Mobile uh, playbook. He had one play for running to the left, one play for running to the right, and two passing plays. Here's a deep ball, or here's a play action. That's all they had. So, again... I don't blame a lot on, on what the kid is doing because we talked about it. It's going to go up and down, and it just depends on the level of competition that they're facing. When you're facing the, the Raiders, they weren't that good. I mean, you face the Lions. We know they weren't that good. So those are games that you should be winning and you should be very competitive. But when you're playing the Bengals and the Rams and, and, and the Bucks, yeah, it's going to show up like this. 
Well, I mean, they they beat the Bengals. You know what I mean? And right. the Bengals have proven to be the probably the class of the uh, the, the NFC. What is it? Or the, the AFC uh, North right there? Because look, you know, we we see Baltimore right there, and they struggled today against the Bengals. So the Bengals are actually doing a good job, and we beat them. You know, so I mean, like whether it's you know just the way that that you know things go sometimes or whatever it is. But I mean, when you look at the stats, I mean, Justin Fields was twenty two for thirty two, one hundred and eighty four yards with three interceptions. Now, when you look at tip balls and things like that, you know, he had those three interceptions, but he also had, I want to say there was two uh, fumbles that were forced. So that's, you know, a total of five turnovers by Justin Fields. I can't, you know, you can't always blame every single turnover on the on the quarterback. It's one thing if he throws directly into coverage, which he, you know, right at a defender, which he did. But I mean, when you get a tip ball, how do you, how do you, you know, and even, and the thing is, is that the one to Mooney, that was probably his fault because he just expected Mooney to be able to get there. But also here's the problem is that when you're constantly under fire, you have to sit there and throw it a lot faster. So he did make a comment um, early on in the preseason where he talked about, well, the game's a lot slower than a lot slower than I expected, so on and so forth. You know, you could have it where some of these teams are taking that to heart and be like, oh, you think it's slow? Watch this. You know, so there's a lot of different things going on. Um, like you said, Herbert did have 100 yards, 18 carries, and an average of 5.6 yards per carry. So that's pretty good. Damian Williams, who was out uh, last week because of the COVID protocol, he uh, he did play today. He only had three carries and only five yards. Uh, Cole Komet actually had a pretty decent uh, day for a tight end. He had uh, five receptions for 43 yards, and uh, Mooney had two receptions, 39 yards, but pretty long down the field. Uh, we really didn't see uh, too much else there. Uh, like I said, Jesper Horst said he did have a target thrown to him, which he did not catch in the end zone. But something that was very curious to me was Damien Williams. Um, like I said, he's back off the COVID-19 list. Mm -hmm. But I was really surprised to find out that some, something that they came out, come out during the week. He's not vaccinated. He set out all of last season due to COVID, but he came back this year and he's not vaccinated. Does that make any sense to you? No, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the protocol is completely different if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. So if you're vaccinated, you know, you have to test twice with uh, two negative uh, results before you can, you're allowed back to into the building. And that's after two, after two to three days. With not being vaccinated, you have to quarantine for whatever i think seven to ten days then have two two uh test you know positive so you're looking at two weeks you're gonna hurt your team for two weeks for, for not getting a vaccination but it's just the fact that he sat out all of last year and then came back this year and is not vaccinated that just it makes no sense to me um we also saw that robert quinn is on the covid uh protocol with because even though he is fully vaccinated he had a breakout case um Team Hicks was out again today with that groin injury, and Khalil Mack has been fighting an ankle injury all week. Um, you know, with a with a team whose secondary is questionable, you know that's not a good sign. Eddie Eddie Jackson can't shoulder tackles way out of this. You know oh what I mean? God. So that that was part of the issue. And the absentee tight end Jamie Graham was also on the COVID uh, protocol, and as far as I can tell, he's been on the COVID list the entire season because I don't remember what he looks like at this point. No, no, he must be getting ready for Halloween and putting the mask on because you're not gonna find him at all. This he doesn't even block. Nah, he, he doesn't even block. You you'll see uh, Komet on the blocking schemes. He doesn't chip. He doesn't. He's on the he's on the sideline. He's the biggest uh, money thief uh, on this team right now. 
I mean, the, the problem is, is that if they don't use him, it's not, how does, what is he supposed to do? You know what I mean? If they don't use him because last year when they did use him, you saw him actually get some touchdowns in the, in the red zone. But if you don't use the man, I can't blame him for not getting, get, not getting touches if they do not want to use him. They've been really weird and stingy with the way that they're throwing to the tight ends. But, you know, when you look at the total yardage that Justin Fields has had, um, up to this point in the season i mean he's getting either just at 200 maybe a little bit over maybe a little bit less but that's kind of been his average for the season so it's not like all the other uh um, receivers or tight ends on the team are getting a lot of play it's just they're just not super efficient they're they've been doing a pretty good job with the run because we saw what uh what monty was doing early on in the season we saw damien williams come in after monty got hurt and we've seen cleo herbert do a really good job in the run game so their their run game is not the problem right now but their passing game is definitely a problem and when you see the arm talent that justin fields has that's what what is very frustrating when we look at the fact that we know that he can get he can get it down the the field and he can get it down the field with some accuracy but if he has no time to think he has no time to throw um so let's take a look at the good the bad and the ugly what is there anything good you can uh find to talk about in this game your running game you're running game. clear Herbert with a uh, 133 total uh all-purpose yards with 100 rushing and 33 in passing he looked like one of the the old bears uh offensive scheme with uh with um what is his name matt forte, matt forte thank you with matt forte being the all-purpose uh yard getter so use your release valve and he's going to be your number one pri- uh, priority in, in getting uh the ball at, at the, to the sticks um other than that i don't see anything else good so my my good would be that stop uh, to stop the the Bucks from getting that touchdown, you know, knowing that you're down by so much, they're like, "Hey, fuck you guys! You're not going to keep running it down our throat." And then getting that that goal line stand with what, like I said, fourth and four or whatever it was, I, I give them credit for that because, like I said, it it showed that they still had some fight in them. Um, what is your uh, what is your bad for this game? My bad is the um, offensive line, and I know that I'm going to hurt. But they got to give the kid a bit more time because what's going to end up happening is this kid's going to get popped by a linebacker or a lineman and get really hurt. You've seen a couple quarterbacks get hurt today, um, and they may be out for a couple weeks uh, with Mahomes getting a head a headshot uh, on a slide, and then then uh, at the kid from New York, um, I think he got pulled mm-hmm. out. And then, but there was another one that got injured too. So, uh, yeah, and remember if you lose your your quarterback, you're done for the season, and you can be done even longer if it's it's uh, a serious injury. You know, I, I would say for bad, I'm, I think I'm with you on the offensive line, at least for this week. Um, they really had no answers for the fact that Todd Bowles kept uh, blitzing no matter what. And, uh, yeah, it was it was frustrating. And that, and just seeing Justin Fields just get no time to do anything. There was those two um, fumbles that he had were both in, in a throwing motion, but because his arm wasn't going forward, he got stopped before his arm was able to go forward, and those balls got knocked out of his hand, and those those both of those fumbles happened that same way. So I'm definitely with you with the offensive line being the bad for this week. What is your ugly from this game? <laughs> the ugly is three points, man. Three points of total you have four quarters. You have 60 minutes. You held the ball for, I think, 29 minutes, and you only put up three points. This, I feel like the offense keeps regressing. I mean, Kyle Orton put up more num- better numbers in this, and I'm not saying nothing against Justin Fields. I'm talking about just offensively and getting points. My, my ugly for this game is the fact that after the game, 
when you listen to Tom Brady's press conference, he was upset that they left points on the field because they absolutely did. Their little mistakes would have made this so much worse. And what this whole thing reminds me of is a Mark Trussman team who in back-to-back weeks gave up 50 points to the Packers and then to the Patriots, which are the same two quarterbacks that we're Mm -hmm. seeing all over again. Um, And at least we didn't see a 50 burger here, but to have that happen back to back and then hear Tom Brady and, and, you know, kind of making fun of the whole thing where Aaron Rodgers is talking about how he owns the bears and then going out there and doing basically the same thing to us. That, that was ugly. Um, I hope that, that, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen with this coach at the end of the season. People are clamoring for him to be fired now. That is never, ever going to happen. The Bears do not get rid of coaches midseason, and it doesn't do anything for your development of Justin Fields. All it does is just create a bunch of confusion so that going into next year, you're just sitting there like, well, now what do we do? What do we take away from last year? You finish out the season. You see what happens. I mean, you got 17 games. This is game seven. So now you're sitting at three, what, three and five. See what happens and just see if we can build on something. Let's let's see if we can build up the confidence of this kid and and, and go from there. Um, the Bears come home next week to face the 49ers in a Halloween game, and hopefully it's not as scary as this bullshit we saw today. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get their sweet ass handed to them, man. All right. By the Niners? I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. Let's not let's not act like the Niners are the Bucks or the Packers by at all. No, no the Niners by, right now are not trying to figure chance. out who's going to play quarterback for them. Yeah, it might be rookie versus rookie, right? Yeah, I mean, because you might have Trey Lance out there because he's been going back and forth. He didn't play today, but you got Jimmy G out there too. So let's not let's not act like the 49ers the Forty Niners and the Bears are probably on the same talent level. Yeah, you know they I mean? they have a lot of injuries on offense. Uh, no Kittle, no uh, Ayuk. I think that's the name his name. Yep. Uh, he's got the, they got three receivers on IR and and their tight end. So and they're on their second running back as well. So they're offensively they're they're in the same boat. I just think they're better a little better defensively uh, right now. So well, I mean if you get they put thirty was it thirty something points on you in the first half. So that's what I'm talking about. All right, let's move over to the collegiate slate. What's up with the Golden Domers and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? <laughs> Number 13, Notre Dame caught a late push from USC, but the Fighting Irish were ultimately able to hold off the Trojans in an impressive overall performance in a 31-16 win. It was one of the best showings of the seasons for Notre Dame's offense with running back Kyron Williams leading the way with 138 rushing yards and two touchdowns on 25 carries. The offensive line has been reworked several times throughout the first half of the season. They still did a good job of protecting quarterback Jack Cohen in addition to open opening up space for Williams and the rest of the Notre Dame rushers. Here's what head coach Brian Kelly had to say after the win. A great victory. You know, look, it's um, it means a lot. It's a rivalry game, uh, but it's it's our rivalry game at Notre Dame. I know there's a lot of teams that play us and, and um, um, considered a big rivalry. And, and certainly I, I understand why, but this is our game and, and um, it means a lot. It means a lot to our kids. It means a lot to our university, everybody associated with it. Um, and, uh, you know, to to come out victorious um, feels really good. 
And this is literally exactly what I said had to happen on the show last week. The Irish really needed uh, they really needed another great performance from Kyron Williams, and that's exactly what happened. And Jack Cohn benefited from that greatly. Yeah, uh, like I told you last week, I was like very uh, skeptical because I saw that carousel. Then, but at this point, it looks like they're moving players into being in the best position to win each individual game. So they're going back based on matchups and whoever's the hot hand. And it's working for Notre Dame. And this is a rivalry game that they always step up for. So the, the thing is, is with, with you know, I, I know you like to use that phrase, the carousel. Jack Cohn is their starter. But with college football, you you do move uh, quarterbacks around. It's not like the NFL where you like you're going to completely control, uh, completely destroy a kid's um where you're going to completely control the word I'm thinking of confidence that yeah. when you're going to completely destroy a kid's confidence by going back and forth. Like, like I said, if you had uh, Andy Dalton coming in for Justin Fields, but in college you do, you move your quarterback in, in and out. That's just how it works because you're doing whatever you can. You're desperately to try to win a game every single week. Cause that's the only way that you make it to a playoff. Now, one cool thing that did happen was that, you know, we think about Notre Dame's visit to Athens when they played Georgia in 2019. Um, that loss looks like it still has a lasting effect on the program. That night was nuts, and Georgia put on a sound and light show that really symbolized the importance of that game. It was a much wilder atmosphere than what happened in South Bend in 2017, which isn't really saying much. Uh, a few weeks after that 2019 Georgia game, Notre Dame asked fans to turn on their phones on their lights for the 18-12 overture, a move that's right out of that Bulldogs playbook. It definitely looks like that addition is staying for the future. We saw the stadium lit up with fan cell phones. It was a great, great sight, and it really reminded me of like the old days where people will hold up their lighters at the concerts. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really throwback with the lighters. Now you got to use the Zippo app on your phone to make a fake lighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, J Jack Cohn was really benefited by the fact that Kyron Williams, had, had, Kyron Williams had such a great game. He finished the game 20 for 28, 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Williams had, like I said, 25 carries, 138 yards, and two touchdowns. So it was really nice to see uh, Tyler Buckner also came in for a rushing touchdown later on. So look, this was a great game for the, for the Irish to be able to win. The Trojans really tried to make a push. They scored 13 in the end at the last uh, quarter in the fourth quarter, but they only scored uh, 16. So let's see. Let's keep it easy. Let's keep it on track for Notre Dame and, and see see if they can uh, do something interesting towards the end of the season. Yeah. Who do you guys got next? All right. Next up, next up, Notre Dame is going to face um, the University of North Carolina, our boy, Mitch Trubisky's old team. And uh, Notre Dame actually did move up a couple spots after this game to number 11. So, uh, this is a, this is another game where UCM kind of play every couple years. Um, they still have to play no. Uh, they also, they still have to play Navy, Georgia Tech, Virginia, and Stanford uh, to finish out the season. So I'll definitely be watching these games. There's no reason they can't win all four of these. So let's see if they can uh, finish the season strong and only uh, finish out with that one loss. Well, I'm glad you have that confidence in the uh, Fighting Irish to win all four games because I don't. I think they win too. Right. I just whoa, 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 whoa! This is a number eleven team going against Navy. Georgia Tech, Virginia, and Stanford. These are these are unranked teams. They're number eleven. You calm down there, sir. I think Georgia Tech might win one. Just what do you know? What, what do you know about Georgia Tech? Nothing. But Tell I just have a hunch about Georgia Tech. I don't watch college football huh? like you do. I'm just have a little yeah, hunch. 
That's my point. You just like talking shit for the sake of talking shit. Georgia Tech been getting their ass beat all season. <laughs> they lost to Georgia Tech lost twenty two to twenty one against uh, Northern Illinois. Oh, that was that okay. game. Yes, that was that was an exciting game. Though. Yeah, I did watch the, yeah, the exactly. highlights on that. So yeah, okay. All right, Georgia Tech fan. How about how about this? How about you tell me what's going on with Chicago's Big Ten team? All right, Northwestern got spanked thirty-three to seven by number six ranked Michigan. Many people assumed that this would be an automatic blowout, but the Wildcats actually held their own in the first half of the game. The game was supposed to be a blowout in favor of the Wolverines, but early on, the Wildcats had no intention of cowering down. The two teams traded punts for the entirety of the first quarter, but when the Wolverines finally broke through in the early stages of the second quarter when sophomore running back Blake Corum ran into the end zone for a one-year touchdown. A wildcat punt was then followed by a lengthy Wolverine drive that turned into a short field goal by senior kicker Jake Moody, making it a score of 10-0. So 10, that's still you know a pretty close game. So they, they were supposed to get blown the F out. Uh, the crucial defensive stand of holding the Wolverines to a field goal paid off moments later when sophomore running back Evan Hall broke free for a 75-yard touchdown, making the score 10-7 with 2.16 remaining in the half. The Wolverines had the opportunity to extend the lead towards at the end of the half, but well, a forced fumble by the Wildcats within the red zone made sure that the score stayed at 10-7 at the half. When they came back from halftime, it was all Michigan who scored 23 consecutive points to finish it off. Northwestern faces Minnesota next week, and I'm sure we'll keep an eye on that game. But with this win... It sets up one of those dream college football games. Undefeated number six will face undefeated number eight, Michigan State, which makes it more special that it that is that I don't think fans knew that what makes it more special is that I don't think that most fans knew what to make of either team at the start of the season. With neither team ranked in a pre, in a preseason AP top twenty five, all football fans should be tuning in for this one. All so right. Yeah, go ahead. You say you you say that you don't watch college football, you don't like college football, whatever it is. I'm telling you right now, you got two unranked teams. You got Michigan, you got Michigan State. Even on a regular schedule, if they're both unranked, if they're both terrible, this is a fun game to watch. Now that they're both ranked and in the top ten and in undefeated, you cannot miss this game. This is gonna be one of them. It should be one of them slobber knockers, like your boy JR likes to say, uh, a barn burner, whatever you want to say. But I don't care if you are a football fan at all. This is one of them games. And this is one of them games that makes college football special. It's a moment in time. Those those players are only on that team for a couple years. It's not like, you know, it's not like the Steelers versus the Ravens where you got Roethlisberger versus Ray Lewis over and over and over again. This is one moment in time. You could have something special happen that you're going to remember for the next 30 years of, of your football watching life or whatever it is. So definitely, I would definitely recommend turning into this game. All right. So who's your pick for this one? Is it going to be Michigan or Michigan State to win? I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go with Michigan. I just think right now, um, you know, that they are the more talented team. But this is this is one of those games where it could go either way. And uh, like I said, I'll, I'll be watching either way. I'll, this is one of those ones where, you know, even if a team is down by three touchdowns going into the fourth, you know that the other team is not going to allow that to, to stand as it is. So I'm just looking forward to one of these these great uh these these great college football games, man, and, and and you usually get a couple of these a year where you get some crazy upset or you just get like two teams where no one expected anything out of to to face each other and to do well. So this is I'm definitely looking forward to this. All right, man, check check your local listings because I will be. All right, E, what's going on with the Fighting Illini? Can we talk about them this week? Did they put up a fight? 
Apparently, they figured out that the word fighting is in the first part of their nickname because they had nine, count them, nine overtimes. And that's how long it took for Illinois to take down number seven Penn State on the road for the the first win of Brett, the first big win of Brett Bielmo's uh, tenure. The Illinois made a phenomenal case for bringing the ties back to college football in the process because they tried to not win this game for a long time. Uh, like I said, the, uh, the Illini defeated Penn State in the nine overtime uh, stunner on Saturday. It took 60 minutes of regulations two normal overtime periods and then seven exchanges of the two-point conversion attempts for illinois to notch the tw- to notch the 20 and uh 20 to 18 win so finally they figured out what fighting means uh, i don't know if they just don't have those dictionaries down there in champagne um but yeah they actually fought for something this time uh, surprising the hell out of uh, not me but every other football fan taking down the number seven penn state nittany lions man i wish I would have known this and made a bet. I could have made a lot of money on an unranked team beating the number 17 Penn State. Can you imagine? You could have put your whole savings on it and, uh, you know, made some quadruple money or something. Hey, uh, if you're betting on Illini, um, you need to go to jail or something because you're definitely doing something shady where you're so desperate that you have to bet on the Illini, bro. <laughs> That's so true. This, this is the this is gonna be called the, the brush show because I keep saying it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> the brush show, bruh. All right, bruh. What's <laughs> going on at the Madhouse on Madison with the Chicago Blackhawks? All right, as you all know, we record on Sunday, so the Blackhawks are playing right now. I think they're down two to one. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 ugly, man. They're still looking for their first victory after five losses. Uh, not counting today's game on Sunday. A quick rundown of the ugly numbers before we get into the, some main issues. The Hawks have not led all season. A three hundred minute fifty seven streak that crushes the previous franchise record of two hours twenty six minutes and six seconds. That's they set that last year. They're just getting worse. Opponents are scoring the Hawks twenty one to nine overall and seventeen to three in. Uh, at even strength, which means no no power plays. Only Mike Montreal, who's 0-5, and Arizona, who's 0-3-1, have worse goal differential. The Hawks' high high danger goals per 60 minutes is 0.5, which is third, third worst, while their high danger scores against is 2.275, which is fourth worst. This means the Hawks are not capitalizing on the grade A chances while the opponents are coming through. <laughs> so this is a quote from Patrick Kane. I'm probably I'm probably the main culprit for that. And this is what he said after Thursday's 4-1 to loss to Vancouver. It comes down to bearing down at certain parts of the game. They just suck. They got this great goalkeeper who got traded here. He did not want to play here. Was about to retire. He had to be convinced by the rest of the guys on the team. And his numbers are really bad. The passing is atrocious. They can't make any passes to get into the offensive side of the blue line. The defense is, hasn't been there for two two years, two and a half years. So since we lost our or we fired our coach, who went down south and is is uh, is coaching down south now in uh, Quinville, this team has gone to shit. 
Um, yeah, they, they put a 12-year-old uh, behind the glass and decided that he was the new coach. I don't know what he's doing there. I, I think a lot of Blackhawks fans don't know what the hell he's doing there. And the Blackhawks better thank their lucky stars that the Bears did what they did today because otherwise they, it just gives Chicago fans something else to rage over aside from the fact that Jeremy Colleton is just uh, there as a supervisor. He's almost like the chaperone on a field trip because he just has no purpose of being there. Um, they brought in Mark andre Fleury and... Like you said, he had to be convinced to stay because um, he was ready to retire after that trade. Um, and I want to say that I'm not sure if it was or not, but the Duncan Keith move, um, you know, they, they really miss him. But, you know, you got Seabrook that's gone now, too. And, uh, you know, Kaner, Kaner has been doing uh, Kaner is doing keen things. You know, you got Taves back, too. So I just think that this team is com in complete disarray right now. They have no idea how to move forward. And, um this is bad. I, I, I have no idea how Colleton uh, keeps his job for much longer if they keep going down this route. Yeah, you can expect him. I, I think by if they don't win tonight or maybe another game after that, I think by the end of the week he's gone. There's there's no reason he no. there's no reason to keep him. After the way they came out, I was surprised that he didn't beat the record of uh, Dennis Savard because I think he he got fired after like one or two games in the season a few years ago. But uh, yeah, before Quinn yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just I don't understand and and you know. A lot of people, I, I still don't understand why you get rid of Quinville so early in the season when they did. You know what I mean? They got the year before last. They got rid of him like halfway through the season. At least give him the respect. He won three cups with your team. Give him the respect of at least finishing out the season, but they didn't. And good for him. You know what I mean? They were able to go out there. And, and I remember there was a story about him uh, tailgating with fans at Bear at a Bears game, and he was like drinking off the uh, you know the the shot flight where everyone's drinking tequila or whatever it is. So hey, he's doing well for himself, and uh, the the Blackhawks are not so. Uh, let's not waste any more time on them. Let's talk about the other tenants of the United Center with the Chicago Bulls. So e, this is the team that I'm really excited about. And, you know, obviously because my baseball season is completely over. But the Chicago Bulls, the new look Bulls, are absolutely on fire. They're the only NBA team with a 3-0 and record. DeMar DeRozan scored 21 points. Nikolai Vucevic, Vuciman, had 15 points and 19 rebounds. And the Chicago Bulls beat the Detroit Pistons 97-82 this past Saturday at the United Center. DeRozan put an exclamation point on his night, finishing a thunderous third uh, third quarter dunk despite getting hit in the face by Pistons guard uh, Diallo. Sure, we'll go with that. I don't know what to say. Hey, uh, Hamadou Diallo. Good for you. And um, get a cough drop. His efforts uh, helped give the uh, Bulls their first 3-0 start of the season since 2016. Um, they Pretty much it's very badly needed. They were also, they yeah, they also were badly needed as Zach Levine endured a sluggish start for the a second straight night. The bull start didn't hit his first shot until after the six minute mark in the second quarter and finished tonight with fourteen points on sixteen of uh, six of eighteen shooting. Uh, the Rosen said, "We're just gonna go keep going out there and playing for each other. We knew the offense is gonna take a little time, but I rather." It be this way now, and we can continue to build defensively while the offense comes around. So, watching this game, and I watched from opening to close, they look amazing on defense. They help each other out. You had Lonzo Ball with a triple double, also also in this game. Um, 
the defense there's a lot of help defense there's a lot of rotation the ball is moving around it's not so much iso i mean they do call isolation plays for each other and that's fine that's going to happen that's the nba but it's not only zach levine and it's, and it's like i alluded to earlier zach levine didn't have a field goal in his first quarter and they were still leading in this game so that tells you that the rest of the guys are picking up the slack you do have three all-stars on this team or well, four now really uh with uh ball Gucci man, DeRozan, and uh, um, and Levine. So you have four All-Stars. So there's going to be scoring that happens in here. So it's really good to see that the Bulls are actually going to be a competitive team, a team that's going to be in the playoffs. And I see them being a, a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. This is, if you look at this Bulls roster compared to the way it looked last year, I want to say there's only maybe two players, or no, no, I think there's four total players that are here that were here last year. Um, you got Vucci Man who came in midseason in that trade. And you got Pat Will, Kobe White, and you got Zach Levine. And the rest of the, the roster is basically turned over when you bring in Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan and, and all these guys. You got AO who you got in the draft. I mean, and he was a first round talent, so there's no reason he should have been there in the second round. Um, but when you look at this team as a whole, I think this, the fact that Zach Levine doesn't have to be the only scorer, the primary scorer. He has other players around him now that he can rely on. You know, he the, the Bulls for years, uh, Mike Logic was was screaming that the Bulls need to find a way to get Lonzo Ball. Well, now they got him, and you're seeing a true facilitator to get the ball over to the guys who need the ball. Vucci man in the middle who can actually score versus you know whatever the hell they were doing with um with with Lowry Markinen and. And Otto Porter Jr., who is somehow on the uh, the Warriors this year. So, I mean, you know, I I love Lionel Richie, but not enough to have him on our team, bro. And the thing is, is that you're actually seeing, like I said, a bunch, like you said, a bunch of all stars on the team, a bunch of competent NBA players, and a bunch of guys that really, when you come to a team like the Bulls, you're you're looking at the history, you're looking at everything that's happened in that building, the house that Jordan built, and you you have a sense of pride. Some guys want to shy away from that. We saw that. The, the Bulls were at one point really close to getting Kobe. The Bulls supposedly were real close to getting uh, um, LeBron over here. But the problem is that sometimes these guys do not want that pressure on them. And when you have guys that have our names in the in the NBA, maybe not superstars, DeRozan, uh, Vucci Main, uh, Lonzo Ball. They're not superstars. They're known players in the league. And they these are guys... These are the kind of guys that coming to the Bulls will rejuvenate them. We'll give them a kind of a fresh start. Even if you've done good in your career, they are playing like a team for the first time that I've, for the first time in a long time that I can remember. Yeah. So I'm going to correct myself. Lonzo Ball had a triple double the game before that. He only had four rebounds and, um, it looks like one assist on that game in 13 points. But what, you also have the bench with Caruso chipping in with 12 points and four assists. You had Javante Green, who has two monster dunks, comes up with 10 points off the bench and four rebounds and an assist in 18 minutes. I mean, your, your young guys are not getting as much playing time, and they will. You'll, you'll see that they'll be put into the rotation. Um, you got Troy Brown that only had 11 minutes and one point. Um, but what worries me right now is Patrick Williams. He looks like he might be getting lost in the shuffle while he's there. He's not being as productive on, on the boards. And we are a smaller team compared to other teams uh, that are rebounding. Uh, we don't have the, the, the height and, and the big boys that, that a lot of these teams do have. A lot of guys are 6'9", 6'10". Um, Patrick Williams only had nine points, one assist, and four rebounds. He, he needs to be that double-double machine that 
that we lost in in in, in, in the two guys we tra- we traded away that you know they were old and raggedy, but at least they were getting double doubles. Yeah, so I mean, like you you guys got you guys you have guys like Simonovic and um, like you said Pat Will and Nikola. I mean, these guys are what six ten, six eleven. So you need those big boys to be up there to get those boards for you and uh, see what they can do because they have a lot of guards in this team. Um, and we just really need to make sure that they can get the ball because as long as they get the ball, they can go ahead and, and get it over to Lonzo, get over, get it over to Zach, get it over to DeMar DeRozan, and get some of those outside shots. I mean, you know, we look at the way, like I said, the way that this team has been constructed, uh, considering the fact that they turned over so much um, from the from the beginning of last year. I mean, I, I, I like the direction that they're going. I think it's too early to... Worry about uh, you know your boy the paw or the claw or whatever the hell they they named Pat Will, <laughs> but you know like I said before, I still believe that he will be the key because we don't know what he he's gonna be yet. You get some of these guys that just turn into superstars the moment they they touch the NBA court. He's a guy that's gonna need to develop over time. But one thing that he doesn't have to do, which I was very concerned about before, even though I still believe it's true, I feel like whatever he does is really going to dictate the way that the bulls go in the next couple of years because when you have a rookie you draft him that high at number four he needs to be a star and if he can be a star then all your other parts and pieces of the team will fall into place yeah. you have good scoring but you need that you need to hit them boards yeah you do and the one thing we haven't talked about was is kobe white who's you know who was injured and yeah uh, what is he gonna look like when he comes back into the shuffle and uh, what role is he gonna play you know he's, he's gonna be coming off the bench uh you know for sure he's coming off the bench so is he gonna be a change of pace guard is he gonna be asked to be more of a facilitator to be shooting what is his role gonna be well don't don't forget too is you also have caruso that's gonna be co- coming off the bench as well and he's a he's a very good facilitator he is he's gonna be your leader of your second unit so i mean you look at the the fact that you're gonna have to have him work with guys like Derek jones alizé johnson um you know th- these guys that you're like who the hell is that him and kobe white kobe white being the the, the guy that was drafted by the bulls number seven we, i really don't know what, still what to think of him i feel like He's just not strong enough. I think he needs to get stronger. He's never going to get taller. I mean, he's only 6'4". He's 195 pounds. But I think that he can be a valuable player. But I just don't. I don't see. I don't see it in the future that he'll be a star on on this team or in the league. But I definitely think that he has a role in this team. All right. So that's enough bull talks. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back up with three up and three down after a word from our sponsor. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. We all know that 2020 was no joke. And with an ever-changing world climate, many people are looking for a new opportunity. Guys, are you looking for a career that rewards effort and makes you feel valued as a team member? Let me tell you a little about our friends at ACSI. ACSI is a certified RCN business agent. They provide the same RCN services with a personalized touch. Their sales and technician teams work hand-in-hand, ensuring your experience will be smooth and pleasant. Gone are the days of being transferred from one person to the next. At ACSI, they handle everything from start to finish. It's never been so easy to get internet service. 
ACSI is a growing Chicagoland company that encourages personal growth and rewards perseverance. As they expand, they're looking for passionate, responsible, and honest professionals to join their team. A career with ACSI means you'll be part of a hardworking, flexible, and dynamic team that is a leader in the installation of cable and internet services in the Chicagoland area. Best of all, ACSI was awarded HACIA's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. Are you ready to grow with a local Chicago company on the rise? Check out acsi.tech and click on careers to get started. That's acsi.tech and click on careers. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. It's time time to touch bases with our baseball teams. This is three up and three down. I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three strikes, you're out. Yo, E, what the hell happened to my Dodgers, bro? <laughs> All right, man. So I, I don't think this is the uh, World Series that we wanted because if uh, if I'm not mistaken, you wanted the Dodgers and I wanted the Red Sox because the storylines would have been amazing. Um, you know, Kike Hernandez playing against L.A., Mookie Betts playing against the Red Sox back and forth. I mean, that was what I was looking forward to. But unfortunately, both of those series ended up in uh, losses for the teams that we were actually looking forward to. Uh, both the ALCS and the NLCS ended up with a 4-2 um, um results and now we're looking at a houston astros versus atlanta braves world series atlanta getting their revenge from last year when they were up 3-1 on the dodgers and the dodgers ended up coming back and going to the world series and winning it and the astros taking out their former uh, bench coach and alex cora who was the mastermind of the cheating scandal so i think part of it is they the, the astros are looking forward to completely moving past that cheating scandal considering the fact that they beat the guy that was the mastermind and the uh the braves are energized after beating the dodgers but my fear is that the the braves now kind of overcame what they felt like they had to in beating the dodgers and uh what do you think about this world series matchup all right e yeah the atlanta braves is my pick and just because I hate Houston and I fuck Houston because they're cheaters. And uh, yeah, Atlanta's got a great story with, you know, Eddie Rosario being cast off coming from the uh, from the Minnesota Twins. You have um, tons of energies to the uh, you had Okunia, who, who was the MVP uh, to be. And uh, he got hurt for the season. So they had to make different uh, trades. They got your boy. Um, he was a Cub. Not that he was a, a Royal. Um, Jack. Who? No, 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 no. How about Jack Peterson? No, no, no. We're talking about the, he was a Cub and then he was a Royal. Um, he's a he's an outfielder. What is his name? I'm so bad right now because I got teacher brain. Um, death chart. His name is... Um, Oh, no, no, George uh, Jorge Soler. Soler. Soler, that dude's a monster. And then they get Peterson yeah. from the Cubs as well. And he is yeah, a, so he, he's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. He's a World Series killer. Like, he steps up during the playoffs and during the World Series every year and comes through. I mean, Atlanta has been just, like, one of those teams that just got hot at the right moment. And then when they were playing everybody, the Dodgers couldn't do nothing to, to Atlanta. They hit, there was pretty much what the, what Houston did to the White Sox is what, Atlanta was doing to 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 the Dodgers. Didn't matter who you threw out there; they were just going to pit it where you weren't. When you shifted, guess what? We just going to all right. Little little single this way, little single that way, and it just they just little they cut they beat the Dodgers by a thousand cuts. 
You know, the, the, one of the biggest things that, that really hurt the Dodgers was the fact that uh, their trade for Trey Turner really didn't do anything for them. They also had Justin Turner out because, yeah, I want to see he had like a hamstring strain or something like yeah. that. So those are two guys, the two Turners really, um, one of them with injury and one of them with inefficiency, really hurt the Dodgers' chances of repeating in the World Series. And the fact that, like you said, Eddie Rosario coming over from the Twins after like they just decided that he really wasn't working out there, you know, he went over there um, to the Braves and completely changed the way they played. Um, with Acuna going out, you know, with that ACL, and you had, I think, something, something was also going on with Marcelo Zuna. They traded for... Um, Jorge Soler and they also brought over Jack Peterson from the Cubs and since then they've been doing well Jack Peterson has this thing where he wears uh, pearls for some reason I don't know why I kind of researched <laughs> that and he's just like he's like well why not um, and and looking at the other side in the AL you know um, again I wanted the Red Sox to be that one that or to, to go to the World Series and, and play the Dodgers because I just think nationally it would have been more of a uh, of a draw um, the whole thing, filling up the laundry, seeing Kyle Schwarber in the World Series again. I mean, I thought it would have been a fantastic series. Unfortunately, that did not happen. And, you know, look, we don't have to like what happened with the Astros in the, was it the 2017 World Series? But they are a very good team. And, you know, I that's another reason why I think there's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this offseason with Carlos Correa because what Carlos Correa has going on right now with Altuve up the middle, I mean, it's pretty special. And uh, I, I, I feel like there's really a very low chance of them wanting to break that up. And he's been on fire and Altuve, you can't pitch to him. So like I said, it's the big guy and the little guy and they're both hitting it out of the park. So this will be a very interesting World Series. It's nice to see two teams, as, you know, and I and I include the Astros in it, even though they've been to five straight ALCS. Um, but two teams that you just, for years, you really didn't think of as being championship caliber. We did see the Braves be so good in the 90s and only get, I think, one World Series out of that. So it'll be interesting for baseball fans. I'll be watching, but for the casual fan, it's not going to have as much of a draw unless you're just really rooting for the Astros to lose. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And I, I shared that uh, that meme with uh, on my personal page that the whole country is going to be nice and blue except for that little star in Houston, Texas. That's about it. Everyone's going to be going for Atlanta. Also, a big issue is that Lance McCullers Jr. is out for the World Series. He got injured and with a forearm issue. And when you have a forearm issue as a pitcher, you are pretty much done because your, your pitching is all about your grip on the baseball. So them losing their ace, their horse, um, is going to be a big deal. So let's see. Who else do they got under? They got uh, Valdez, Garcia, Uruguay, Uquidi, my bad, and then Grinky. That's, that's, those are the, the four horses that they, they're, they're going to put out there. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, they have, go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm just trying to pause after the colors. I've been waving at the screen for like five minutes. My bad. It's because I'm, <laughs> I'm reading up here and I'll be down here. I, I know. I, well, I was going to lead you into that. Okay. So, All right, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, like you said, with McCullers out, I mean, the, the big thing is you got to remember Lance McCullers was the Lance that actually performed really well in the first round of the playoffs because he was a, a, a White Sox killer and Lance then wasn't really getting it done. So, the Lance versus Lance uh, uh, face off went to the Astros and he has definitely been the stud for them. And he is not going to, uh, he's not going to be there at all for the World Series, like you said. And you look down the list of who they're going to start. Framber, Valde, Framber Valdez. I mean, this is like the World Series of weird names. Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, Luis Garcia, 
and Zach Greinke, who somehow is still in the majors. Um, this is going to be an interesting. I think they're going to be. Uh, the, the biggest thing is they're going to be relying quite a bit on the bullpen because I don't know how long these guys can go. I will say that Luis Garcia has been very impressive um, seeing what he's been able to do, and uh, he's been a strong player for them. Yeah, he has. Well, now the thing was that the Astros' bullpen is wasn't their strongest uh, point coming into the playoffs. But in the last two series, once against the White Sox and against Boston, they've been doing pretty well. So that's very surprising. So the, the issue is going to be, can the Braves pitcher calm the Astros' bats? That is going to be the big the big turnaround. So if you cannot uh, let them, uh, you know, cut you by a thousand paper cuts or you know kill you by a thousand paper cuts, that is going to be the the, the biggest deal. Um, again, you you've got the two AL and NL MVP for the series that were both Latinos. Uh, you had um, let's see what was his name uh, for the NL? It was Eddie Rosario, and then for the AL it was uh, Jordan Alvarez. So. That's the first time that's actually happened in Major League history where you have two Latinos uh, being the MVPs for the ALCS and NLCS. It is going to be, like you said, a barn burner and and, and a slugfest because these two teams can hit either the long ball or they can slice you up if you pull that shift. So it's really going to be left up to pitching and uh, the bullpen. So if, if... you're either going to have these scores where you're going to be 10 to 10 to 7, 10 to 8, or you're going to have two to one games. That's that's where I think. That, well, that's what we've been seeing all all playoffs. I mean, it's either a 10 to one game or it's, you know, one to two. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that, like you said, Jordan Alvarez has, was the MVP of the uh, the NLCS and or the ALCS. I'm sorry. And he's very quiet. He's very reserved. But he was he, like I said before, when you get these guys that are not super known versus Correa and Altuve who do have their at-bats and do do really well but I mean you're relying on a guy like Alvarez you're relying on a guy like Kyle Tucker Kyle Tucker and Yuli Gurriel to really get it done for you because those are the guys that really no one's expecting much out of I've, I, I and and what what I mean by that is that they're not the names that you worry about as much as the bigger names and those are the sneaky guys that come in so the the um the first game you're going to also have um Charlie Morton going for the Braves. Now, Charlie Morton has been in the league for quite some time. I want to say he was on the uh, uh, the Pirates for a while. He's moved around. So, I mean, you also have uh, Max Freed, who for some reason his name is Freed, although his name is spelled fried. I don't understand that because I would definitely, you know, make a whole bunch of T-shirts if I was him that said fried something on it. But I digress. This is going to be an interesting World Series, and um, it really – Again, I think when we look at the strength on both teams, you have very strong hitters, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see which pitching staff cracks first, and that you know we'll, we'll see who goes up ahead in this first game. Yeah, you don't don't uh, don't uh, snooze on this because you will see pitchers getting pulled in the first inning. They're not going to wait for anything. They're not going to let these leads get away because they know that this is going to be a five to six game series. Charlie Morton pitches for the Braves, and Fran Valdez pitches for the Astros. So Charlie Morton is going to face Fran Bravalda as in game one. But yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it's going to, it's really going to depend on which pitching staff cracks first. So I know who you want to win, but who do you think will win the World Series? All right. If I'm betting with my balls, I bet Houston in six. If I'm betting with my heart, I want Atlanta in five. So you want versus you think, because I, I, I definitely, I honestly Despite the fact that every team that I've rooted for so far in this postseason has lost, I Likewise. honestly think 
I think that the Astros are going to win the World Series again. I think it's going to be a somewhat of a validation considering the fact that they were caught up in that cheating scandal a few years ago. I think that there is definitely going to be a lot of cries and screams about check this and check their their check for the buzzer under their uniform and all this other mess but i don't know and it just my my heart and my brain both tell me that more than likely the astros are going to win the world series now with that being said watch the braves win it all just because the team that i think is going to win is is not going to win that's just what it is and that's uh so what i would do if you're a betting man uh go against whatever i do just fade everything i say and you should be good (laughs) Yeah, likewise, I wanted the White Sox. I wanted Boston. I wanted LA. Yep. Every team I've been cheering for in the, in the playoffs has lost. So I'm going to cheer. Well, I don't want to cheer. I'm just saying I'm putting my money on Houston and uh, my heart on uh, the Braves just because they have a great story of uh, a bunch of misfits together to win. All right. So we'll be right back with Stirring the Pot. I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three, strikes, you're out. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. Oh, no Kool-Aid, man. Wow. Okay. All right. It's that time again, brother. <laughs> it's the, You know what time it is. It's time for Stirring the Pot. All right, brother. So I uh, actually some food this week for myself so i don't eat out as much and i took my ass to costco so i'm gonna ask you this because i know you've been to costco costco pizza is it a yay or a nay i have no idea i've never had costco pizza what the fuck you've never had costco pizza why no because because i buy my food and leave i'm not there to eat i'm I'm there to buy my food (laughs) So just just on that basic principle, I'll say uh, it's a nay. But but before we keep going, have you ever seen the Kool Aid commercials? Yeah, yeah. He don't say yeah. He or says oh. He, he doesn't yeah. say any of the things. No, he Kool Aid <laughs> man, a tough man. Duff man says, "Oh no, that's more Duff man than anything else." Fucking knucklehead. But yeah, I, I've never had the pizza at uh, at Costco, man. I just. I get I get in I, I fill up my cart with uh, with veggie straws and what other other crap that the kids want to eat and make sure that because they, they, they I feel like kids now like when we were kids like you had to eat whatever was put in front of you now kids are like just all right fuck it you want this like here's a snack like at least eat something because it, it's it's just easier than fighting with everyone all the time uh yeah well so I, I stocked up on a lot of it's funny because I don't I always uh get more stuff to drink and not alcohol but I get a lot of stuff to drink more than I get food. And then I look at my fridge. I'm like, shit, I got nothing to eat. I got to order a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> see, uh, but but that, see, with us, that's it's literally the opposite because, I mean, we drink a ton of water. I think I think my, my routine is water, beer, or coffee. That's really all I drink. Um, I, or I'll drink, like, uh, Coke Zero. The new Coke Zero is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, we, we cook a ton. You know, I mean, I got, I got kids, man. I got kids that all they do is eat constantly it's insane it is insane the amount of food that my older daughter ate the other day i think she ate like two lunches we give her a lunch at school and then she or to take the school and then she goes and like eats the school lunch because i think it's free this year i don't know if it's all the time but but yeah so she'll just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and then you go in the room and here's a bowl of this and there's a plate from that and i'm just like yo do you got a sink in here i didn't know about like how did this all get in here what the hell's going on hey man she's a growing woman man she's she's a preteen turning into 
a teenager and she's going to continue to eat like that because she's an athlete dude the more of an athlete she is the more she's the calories she's going to consume so expect that bill to go higher and higher until she's like about 18 and out of the house uh uh excuse me sir my baby girl will never grow up so fuck you uh let's move on <laughs> all right before you, we go yeah go before ahead. we go right. what you looking at what are you watching that isn't sports all right man my show succession is back on hbo it's all about corporate greed and it's a family that has a company and oh, it is so good you've got to watch it macaulay cuckins brother little brother's in there he is hilarious because he's such a snarky asshole um i don't really think he's acting so it's an awesome show it's season three just started last week and there's another episode uh this week uh i'm also re-watching yellowstone because the new season starts up in about a couple of weeks kevin costner stars in that and um uh the guy rip which is like his right hand man if you don't remember uh hopefully you remember uh fast and furious 2 where tyrese and paul walker are racing through miami he was the villain he was like the cool miami looking dude and now he's got you know the the wranglers and the boots and a full beard and the accent and so it's weird to see him in that contrast but that just makes him a better actor um he's awesome he's my favorite character and lastly uh wwe had their crown jewel event in saudi arabia this past week uh this past thursday where you saw brock lesnar make his return to uh, compete for the world championship against roman reigns and the family um it, it was a pretty good event i mean it was, it was fun to watch um the production value that they put out there for an event that they just is in the middle of the week is just amazing um it was it was a pretty action-packed show uh you had a, a couple first um you had the first black man I, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, the first black man to win King of the Ring, and um, I think the first Latina uh, wrestler to win King of the Ring uh, for the women, or Queen of the Ring, or whatever they want to call it. So that that was pretty cool. So a good action. It was four hours. It took me like three days to watch in, you know, 30 minute and 45 minute increments. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's starting to turn around. Uh, so if you're into wrestling, jump back in if you lost your way or whatever. But the, the, I, I like watching the big events, just like he, he watches the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania with me and he, he likes the, the the core four events. Yeah, I mean, I I, I watch the big pay per views, and that's how I, that's all I need. I mean, I think I feel like that kind of even if you, I, I mean, my big wrestling fandom was probably early two thousands with um with like get the tables and all, and all that other crap right now with Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and Edge and Christian and Triple H and The Rock and Stone Cold and that that was my era of, of wrestling watching. Um, you know, you're talking about Kieran Culkin. That's the name of the uh, the Macaulay Culkin's little brother, and he is actually going to be on SNL coming up next week. But for me, of course, the SNL fan. If you are not an SNL fan, that you really don't know how big Jason Sudeikis was on the show, but you know him as the star of Ted Lasso. He came back last week to host, and he did not disappoint. He reprised his devil character on Weekend Update, and the uh, devil explained what he's been up to for the past few years. Right. What's Hello. up, Colin? What's Hello. Well, it's just great to see you, Devil. You yeah. know, we, we haven't seen you in like four or five years. Oh, yeah. It's because I've been busy, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last few years have been pretty good for old Beelzebub here. Yeah. Well, congratulations. What have you been working on lately? Oh, man. So many little side projects, you know, earthquakes, got some killer storms, Instagram for kids. Oh, you know? yeah. Trying to get it off the ground. You know, trying. Oh, and the climate. 
The climate, come on. I, you know, look, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but I've been making things up here feel more like where I'm from, you know? <laughs> so, hey, I mean, have you ever been to Florida? <laughs> you know, that, that's not that different from hell. <laughs> it's basically pre-hell, you know? <laughs> it's people in their hundreds and the temperatures are also in their hundreds. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I... I... I just, I can't get enough. I'm going to end up watching this episode again. I'm going to watch last week's episode again because I try to watch them at least uh, twice all the way through. So, yeah. And, and the last thing I, I want to tell you, if you remember the villain from uh, Fast and Furious 2, <laughs> you should stop doing crystal meth because that's the only people that remember that shit. Oh, man. Come on. I, I was watching Fast and Furious like one, two, three, four, five. And then after that, it was just I just lost my total interest in it. But... Um, actually, two is one of my favorites because of the cars that were in it. Not so much the story. Um, the cars that were in it were pretty cool because they had muscle versus import. So that was the story on that one. And then I after three, uh, I'm sorry, that was three. It might have been two. Either one. Tokyo Drift, that one, I don't know. This, this, whatever. Either way. But to your point on the SNL stuff, um, last week with uh, Rami Malik, that shit was hilarious, especially when they did the, the game show one, the game show with uh, they were impersonating each other. Uh, him and uh, um, what's your boy? Yeah, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. They were impersonating each other. That shit was pure gold. So uh, yeah, I will watch SNL after I sign off here while I work on my school stuff. So let's get out of yeah, here. You, yeah, you, you know I'm watching. I'm probably gonna do the same just so I can watch it all over again. So uh, that with that said, uh, that is it for today. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much for listening. A big thank you to our sponsors, 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to don't forget to go to gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast T-shirt. Search for keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TrueFan15 at uh, at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. That's true fan 15. Go and get your shirts right now. Get them. And, and don't forget to visit our friends over at acsi.tech and check out their career sections to start an exciting new career in the communications industry. Go to acsi.tech. That's acsi.tech and click on careers to apply today. Shout out to our friends at the Some of This, Some of That podcast. Avail uh, new episodes available on all major platforms. Coach Mo and Justice talk about all type of topics. Go and check them out. And also don't forget to check out the Shine Native Radio podcast, now available on all major platforms. Mike Logic, Ideal, Throw MC, and Words talk about sports, movies, and all types of ill shit. Shout out to Ronesh and shout out to Panic. And our brand new beats from the homie Serious Beats for all the stuff that we play on today's show. Check out paniconthebeat.com for all your moment merch and gear. And don't forget to check out PROD by Serious.com. That's prod by Serious.com to check out all of Serious Beats music. Once again, I want to give a shout out to Georgie and Molly on your up uh, on your upcoming bundle of joy and also your nuptials. That was a really great time. I appreciate hanging out with y'all and the family and uh, seeing everyone and uh you know, just want to give y'all some more love because uh, I, I'm really happy for you guys and everything that's going on. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say, man, uh, uh, happy for Georgie and Molly, and uh, I was glad that uh, you were able to. Oh, we're cool. <laughs> me, me and Jay always been cool. Me and Jay, me, me, let me say, let me tell you a little bit something about who those who don't know the relationship between us. Uh, we're like the brothers who uh, will fight 
when we're not together and when we're together we hug that's just what it is you know what i mean so we're always going to be cool that's that's my little brother i love him forever and uh he's still a pain in my ass but uh but you know i'm very happy for for everything and and i i think he found the perfect person for his life so i'm, I'm very happy for him yeah well, i'm happy for I'll that absolutely uh, don't forget to check us out on social media you can find us at true shy fans on twitter that's at true chi fans on twitter also find us on facebook instagram youtube spotify and reach out to us hit the dms with your story the pot ideas your movie recommendations and just your general uh, questions and ideas about the show tell us what you think you can hit us up at true chicago sports fans at gmail.com all right y'all for big z this is e-rock we'll see you next week for episode 69 watch out yeah until then be good to each other for the love of sports happy halloween y'all um you know this is not how we wanted it to go you almost can't even make it up it's that bad true story a few moments later you have a lot of incest. That's real. Shut your mouth. Lover boy. Nature versus nurture, Lodge. Nature always wins. I think he's on steroids. Hasta luego, amigos. That's all. Oh, I shouldn't have had those artichoke poppers.